When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Betches Media presents. If you feel depressed and if you feel anxious and you feel confused, you know what? Welcome to the club. Gazpacho police. Oh my God. What a stupid son of a bitch. He believes that it's a woman's right, it's a woman's body, and it's her choice. The Betches Sup Podcast. Sayonara, sucker. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Millie Tamaras. And this is the Betches Up Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics. I was going to introduce him after. Oh, okay, He's a okay. special guest. Okay, okay, because I'm like, <laughs> hello, I see the script. <gasps> Dude, we're keeping all of this in, keeping all of this in. We're I'm obviously like, hello. here to break down the biggest, I, it's Dylan Erasure, the biggest topics. And of course, joining us is one of our favorite co-hosts, Dylan Hafer, who hosts every other Betches podcast, but this one. <laughs> Hello, hello. I'm excited to be here. It's been a while. Yeah. I'm I missed the tennis updates. Um, I DM'd you. I listen, I'm using the Betcha sub platform to say I DM'd Dylan two weeks ago asking what he thinks Sutton said to Crystal, and I didn't get a response. Oh God. <laughs> We need to talk about it because I have so many thoughts. Well, we found out that it was something about a bunch of like multi-ethnic kids in a pool. It was like. uh, Maybe. It it was like problematic or it was just like not. No, it was problematic. It was problematic in that like, I don't know, like my friends. uh, I was worried because I went to my friend's wedding. I was one of the only black people there. And my friend's aunt like just came up to me. She felt like she had to share that she oh, no. went to po- she went to high school in D.C. and a third of the population was black. And you know what? <laughs> they all loved each other. Oh my god! And this that's happened. how it should be. At a wedding I was at, there were <laughs> not a lot of black people, and the same thing happened to like the, the only black girl there. Some just older white woman went up to her and was like, "You remind me of of a girl I once knew from Senegal." Does this happen all the time? Yes, in majority white spaces. Yes. So, like in the scale of problematic things, sunk. So right. I feel like that was, but I thought, you know, I th- I was thinking she said a slur or something <laughs> and it's like, oh, she's just being a white woman in a wedding. Right. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> exactly. Think of something a white woman would say at a wedding. At a wedding, yeah. like a little drunk, right. like she's a little drunk. She's comfortable. She's in her space. She just wants you to know that, she, listen, yeah. her son has, has friends that are black and Asian. <laughs> Did you see though? Now there's renewed controversy because the the girl that Sutton referred to as the Chinese girl posted a TikTok and said that Sutton was racist to her, like in the, when she was friends with her daughter. So, oh, oh no, well she was asked my my as, as soon as I saw that, which nobody will say on the show, is like maybe the racist part was like 
it, maybe it was just an Asian American girl and was like, it's a Chinese girl. And it's like, probably like, you know, like a fifth generation who knows what the background is. Is mm. she Chinese American? Did Sutton happen to get that right? Yeah, I thought the girl was going to be on TikTok. She's like, I'm actually Laotian. Yeah. And- <laughs> right. My family has been here longer than Sutton's. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, uh, I believe uh, Sutton Strack sees color. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, again, on the, on the like spectrum, but anyway, I thought that you had tea about it. So I reached out and you didn't write me back. So I don't know if you should have Dylan help host. (laughs) I do always look at Dylan's schedule and he usually has something scheduled like too close. Cause as a fellow person who does too many podcasts, but this, this was the week where I got him, but you did, you did take a tumble this weekend, huh, Dilly? Uh Uh-uh. I did take a tumble. him Scarlet cause he took a tumble. (laughs) (laughs) No, I can't. <laughs> that's that's a that's it for the millennials uh, listening uh-huh. that one's for you that's a gen z i don't know if you're gonna know that one thankfully i did not step off a cafeteria table <laughs> but no it was I in her not. house actually dylan don't <laughs> okay. don't rewrite history okay i did yeah no i took i took a, a wee spill on saturday night and have not uh left the home since then but uh you know hopefully we'll be up and about before too long. Before too yeah. long. Before too long. Listen, getting injured in New York City, like a foot injury, leg injury, that is no fucking joke. I did that like five years ago. I broke my foot, did not let it properly heal, still was walking 30 blocks a day. It no. still hurts all the time. No. Yeah. That's why I'm still at home because I'm like, I don't want to like walk somewhere and then hurt it again. And then it's worse because like I also am trying not to go to the doctor. So we'll see. <laughs> Damn. America. And that is why we have had you on. Yeah. America is rough. But you know what? Sunstruck had a black girl and a Chinese girl with her white kid in a jacuzzi. And that is the beauty of America. That's the beauty of America. As long as you have that, nothing can go wrong. I mean, we were discussing before we started that it sounds like you will not be pounding the pavement like I have been to find an apartment under $10,000 a month in the city. And I know this is how it is across the country. The the housing market, mm-hmm. it's terrible. I, it's terrible. It's, ter- it's I, I, terrible. It's terrible. And I'm 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 trying to be like, I realize that housing in New York City became unaffordable before I could no longer afford it. Yeah. But it is, it is just stunning how little there is for how much people are willing to pay. And I just can't believe people are. We talked about it last week, like how people are getting squeezed like this. And part of it is like zoning. I mean, you don't have to move right now. Dylan sounds like you just like locked something down early because of how the market is. Yeah. I mean, knock on wood, I still, the, it's not all signed and sealed, but it's the kind of thing where I did like one cursory search on street easy and was like, well, this is better than anything I will possibly find. (laughs) Yeah. That's what a lot of people are doing. I know people who like wanted to move to Brooklyn or something, but it's like, Oh, I don't know. I just saw something in the upper East side and I just like wanted, you know, I just not where I want to live at all. It's not how I want to live. It's too much, but I'm just tired of this or like they're getting scammed. And it's fucking rough. It's just like, it's so crazy that this is coinciding with the rent regulation board also determining how much rent stabilized, but like my building's rent stabilized, which is great. It doesn't mean that it's, it's not rent controlled. So it doesn't mean that there's a cap on it. It just means that what you get in initially, they can't raise it by, you know, which is what hap- what's happening to a lot of people right now, all over the city is that if your rent was one month, 3000, Next year, you resign the lease. It's one thousand dollars. Rent stabilized means that they could only keep it between two and four percent. Mm-hmm. But right now, they're getting hearings d- determining 
if they should raise the percentage from instead of two to four percent, six to eight percent. And like the thing is, the people obviously very landlord mm-hmm. heavy board, regulatory board that's just hearing, you know, well, if you could do four percent, you can do eight percent. And it's just like it's crazy. I yeah, mean, that's how budgeting works. <laughs> that's how budget. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, my the way that I got in, I mean, I'm very lucky <laughs> and I'm saying lucky as in I moved in in the middle of covid like February 2021, when no one was moving in and I like locked in a thing, they raised my rent $250, which is not crazy. And then it's not nothing. That's, that's not that's, nothing. That's is that the s- most that they could or could they have gone higher? Well, because they did the free month yeah. off shit. So yeah. like, right, they they couldn't, they, that's not legal, but because they did the like, oh, one month free. So now I'm paying a certain amount. And because of rent stabilization, thank God that now my rent can only go up $60 or $80, you know, whatever in the two year thing. So it's just like, but those, that inventory is so limited. Um, it's completely deregulated outside of that, that like it, you know, and those right. are so covered and people never leave those apartments. Right. People are either not. And also like, there's no inventory really to buy a house right now at yeah. certain price ranges. So those people, people that might, like my first reaction when I started looking and as people that listening are listening, you're like, who's going to pay this? And it's like, actually all the people that are rich, but not, not rich enough to buy the houses that are available right now, because nobody's really selling because they can't get something better. So there's just not enough inventory. I mean, I'm like, I thought this was crazy when people were telling me it. they were like, maybe you should stay in your spot. Like they raised the rent a thousand dollars. They a listed month. it for a thousand more than what they raised mine on. And I'm like, they're just, I guess they're just going to find they're just going to find people. And you think it's like inflation is is crazy. Your groceries are costing twice as much. And I don't know how people like there's nothing left for leisure in anyone's life. So it's just like whenever I hear somebody has like, of course, we all have credit card debt. Of course, we're not paying off our student debt. This yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's really crazy. And it's really crazy. And it's just like a result. There's a lot of things that contributed to totally. it. This Airbnb you know, a lot of those, um, you know, low income or just a lot of in- a lot of uh, inventory has been taken by Airbnb for short term rentals. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, like lack of inventory, lack of new stuff. And, you know, because what, of zoning, because yeah. of zoning, which that's not just a, an accident. That's not yeah. an accident. Mm-hmm. This is a result of boomers really fighting against zoning. <laughs> I'm saying boomers yes. fighting against zoning and we could go down this, you know, I love oh, a yeah, good totally. urban housing talk, yes. but yeah, people are, have fought against for so long, generations, generations to keep the suburbs, how they are stop development in cities. Stop. De- it's, it's really crazy. Um, and then now it's all coming to a head, you know, and it's really unfortunate because people want to live you know, everyone, sorry, I'm like, no, everyone complains is, I'm about, down. Yeah. I, like I said, I lost followers when I complained about this on my Instagram <laughs> stories. I'm happy to sound off about it here. It is no, very. Because you know what? There's not, if people will be like, well, why do you live in New York City? Why do you live it's so the, We talk about cheaper. this all the time. It's like, it is people's homes. Like It yeah, is yeah. people's homes. People like, but again, you know, this goes back to a long time, like this way of thinking. Um, and I've been like, you know, listening and reading the end of policing, which is a really great book that I'm sure everyone here has listened. I'm like late to the game, but heard it's about like, it. Yeah. Heard about it. It's really good. Um, but 
it's just this idea that like real homes and real families live in the suburbs. And if you're in the city, like that's not a real existence. That's not, you know, and that's rooted in racism, but it's also like, yeah, you don't just, but the thing is that, this is happening all over the country. And even in if, every price range, every, in every price range, let's say, right. Let's say you're like, fuck New York city. I want to live in the suburbs of Westchester or New Jersey. Now you need a car. Mm-hmm. Now you need to get either a rent, um, to get a lease or something that's expensive or to get a used car. That shit has gone up. And then how much is gas? It, it, it's all crazy right. expensive. It's so funny. Like people from outside the city will be like, well, why didn't you go to Brooklyn? And I'm like, okay, the second most desirable city in the country, in the country to live. (laughs) Like, it's not like for, in my opinion, it's not like nobody wants to go to fucking Brooklyn. It's like, it's, it's really tough to find a spot in the boroughs and in the country. And everybody's just like, I feel like I talk to listeners that are just like feeling the pinch. Yeah. And you have this thing where wages were too low to begin with. And then now that this inflation skyrocket thing has happened, Obviously, income is not keeping up with that, not even close. And so before it's like, okay, New York is an expensive place to live. I'm going to I'm going to decide what I feel like I can spend on rent, even though that's probably more than like Susie Orman would tell me to spend on (laughs) rent. But like, I'll decide what I feel like I'm comfortable with. And then you're building your life around that. And then now with inflation and the housing market and everything, it's like, Okay, wait. So I I already felt like I was spending more than is like actually advisable, like yeah. a bigger percentage on housing or on, you know, whatever living expenses and then now it's like wait, no, but like that was all that was the high number already. Exactly. <laughs> right. Like we're in like, like an emergency was... <laughs> situation. Yeah. Right. It's like okay, like I I can't actually be spending like 70% of my take-home pay just on yeah. my rent. <laughs> No, it's not because don't say that, Dylan. <laughs> um, we might be, babe. Well, it's not advisable. No, but you know, my little hack is if you can get a sublet until the winter, mm. and then I know. mean, we because because as we're talking, like I've read that this will have to normalize. It can't go. This is crazy how yeah. hot it is. Um, I mean, that we were like looking. You know, if my fiance is a lawyer, we were like, I think honestly, we can technically like stay. For six months, just very acrimoniously. But you're just like, they could be like, you know, I think I've said this, like they could smell weed and be like, you're out, you know, like the littlest, the littlest thing. So I don't think we're going to push that. But like, yeah, down downsizing is is tough. And obviously you just think it's like, where am I going to go? Don't go somewhere else and then displace those people. I mean, it's all. It's all fucked up. We need, we need more inventory and. Build up people. Build up, you know, mixed, mixed zoning. And you got to do a video about that. We'll do it. Yeah, we'll do like <laughs> high density things. I mean, yeah. that's really happening. It's happening in New York. Like there's a lot of fucking apartments here too. Like there are places oh, yeah. where LA and all this stuff that's just, it's really, you know, there's all these homes and houses and stuff and that's cool or whatever, but we are in different times. We're in unprecedented times as the commercials like to say in 2020 and <laughs> <laughs> these unprecedented times. As every one of my podcast ad reads begins, in, yeah. these, in these unprecedented times. I know. How do you say that? 40 different ways. <laughs>
We all know your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. Sometimes what starts as a bad hair day quickly turns into a bad everything else day. I'd never found beauty products that really understood my needs, but ever since I switched to custom hair and skin routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Healthier hair and skin, yes, but beyond that too. Since I started using Pros, I've noticed consistently healthy hair. Even with all I put it through with the heat tools and the hairsprays to get this pompadour sky high, it smells great, it looks fancy on the shelf, and I like that it has my name right on it. This formula is made for V. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. From millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely yours or mine. And Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription at pros.com slash feverdream. So get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash feverdream. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash feverdream. All right. Well, for our main topics, both of you today, I want to talk about culture. You're both savants of culture, I would say, famously. Uh, I know what savant means. (laughs) (laughs) I know what savant means and I know what supplant means. (laughs) Of culture, of literature, of the performing arts. And that will be our focus today. So naturally, we're going to start with some with some headlines involving Amy Coney Barrett and Kimberly Guilfoyle. But Dylan, first, I wanted to ask you, what was your Tony's debrief, your your Tony's highlights? I feel like they were very emotional this year. It was a fun Tony Awards. I think last the the last Tonys were in September, and they were the weird COVID oh, shutdown yeah. Tonys, and there were like t- two nominees. Um, and this year really felt like back to normal. I you know Ariana Debose hosting was just she's a superstar, and you know she represents I think a lot of the direction that theater and the entertainment industry should be, you know, leaning into. And yeah, it was really, it was really exciting. I was, um, you know, <laughs> we don't have to get into it too much. Yeah. I was a little yeah. relieved that, uh, one Michael Jackson musical <laughs> one over the other Michael Jackson musical. <laughs> but, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I saw a tweet about that. That was like explaining what I happened and then it two. was called like, and it's called a strange loop. <laughs> oh, but but that one is a different. Yeah, the composer of A Strange Loop is named Michael, Michael R. Jackson. Jackson. Got <laughs> I've done shows with him. He's really nice. Oh, really? Yeah. A Strange Love Loop is fantastic, special, all of those things. Um, if you're if you're in New York, definitely uh, go check it out. But yeah, Tonys were fun, and then Hugh Jackman tested positive for COVID like uh, three hours after. later. That's so crazy. <laughs> oh Jesus! Well, he, um, uh, what is he in? <laughs> The music man. Oh, Oh, the music (laughs) man. Musicals. Obviously. Yes. Thank you, Dylan, for the... It is Pride Month in <laughs> Oh, yes. How nice. I can frame this. I can package this as a Pride app because we talked about musicals. Perfect. Yeah. We, talk, <laughs> we had the Tony's update with Dylan. <laughs> uh, so as I mentioned, both of you savants of culture. So we're going to start with some headlines involving Amy Coney Barrett and Kimberly Guilfoyle, which actually does tie in. So let's start with Kimberly Guilfoyle. She is the fiance. They're not married yet, right? Of Don oh, Jr. God. 
According, she's a fiance mommy. She's like, I got to protect my, my $60,000 assets from this guy. Jesus. According to the January 6th committee, as we've discussed this week, we're getting uh, a lot of evidence from them. She was paid $60,000 to make opening remarks at the Stop the Steal rally on January 6th. She was paid this fee to open for her fiance, Don Jr. Where did this money come from? Well, it was raised by the campaign by lying to Trump supporters about his potential to still win the election. We know at this time they were still inundating supporters with desperate claims that another like $50 to the election defense fund Mm -hmm. and we can win Pennsylvania. Like Mm -hmm. their, their voters really believed that this was true and they needed to give like $50 of their pension to help make this happen. Oftentimes we've seen reports that people, these people didn't have that much to give. A lot of their credit cards were saved and they were, you know, recurringly charged in total. The Trump campaign collected 250 million from supporters in the aftermath of the election and they spent at least $5 million on the rally before the insurrection. Damn. So, ridiculous. At least. They just paid, like, the firm that set it up that much. So on top of, like, the speaking fees, oh. <laughs> who knows? So they were manipulating supporters to drain their bank accounts so that they could pay Kimberly Guilfoyle $60,000 to open for Don Jr. So he spoke for about two and a half minutes. I have – can I say something? Yeah, we're done. Me? We're ready for discussion segment. <laughs> Look, I just have to say, last week – last week – we were like, uh, what is this? What is this reboot of the January 6th hearings going to be? <laughs> what is this? Honestly, captivating. Banger. I'm on board. Banger. I'm <laughs> on board. This is the Paddington 2 where it's better than the original and a classic, a cinematic classic feel good family uh. drama comedy. Ending. Let's hope for the I mean, ending. It's hilarious is that Rudy was drunk. That was. Oh that was, my we god! We needed some co- comic relief at that moment. You know what? Democrats were saying we're getting good shit, and they did not. I'm just like everything that I hear about this thing. I'm like, holy shit! Do you mean this is better than the original, as in the insurrection or the impeachment? The yeah, impe- like the it. impeachment yeah. trial was this is Paddington like, one. <laughs> Paddington one. You're like, okay, I kind of get it. You, I know what you're going for. Whatever. Yeah. Paddington two. Really this this shit locks it in. <laughs> They're getting it from all angles. You know what's crazy? They haven't had one Democrat speak as a witness. Everyone has been Republicans. And the 200, like the, the thing that they revealed yesterday was that they got 200. I know I'm just repeating what you said, but I'm just like, whoa, $250 million grifting off That's insane. old white people. I mean, honestly, <laughs> go off, but also you are terrible. <laughs> That's awful. Like it's such a crazy grift. And yeah, like it's it's just the true Trump thing of like they paid five million dollars of that to the hotels to like hold shit. It's so fucked to up. To pregame an insurrection. To pregame an insurrection that they're <laughs> trying to claim not responsible. I was listening to the Daily episode a few days ago about the Proud Boys and about how the the newest leader of the Proud Boys, he's like Afro-Latino. Yeah. But um he 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 was banned from D.C. two days before the insurrection, and now he's getting charged for this seditious thing. And he's just like, oh, I wasn't even there. But it's like there are multiple texts that's like, yes, this is awesome. Yeah. We did this. Yeah, and it's like, so this is so great. Well, I don't they hired know. like a, a pri- former ABC executive to basically they wanted it to seem like a Netflix documentary. And it is. It's good. It's good. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, better than some of these Mormon <laughs> Better than that one? Okay, all right. Well, I don't, you know, I haven't watched it because I'm just like (laughs) too captivated. Too captivated. I don't know. Dylan, thoughts, prayers. I just feel like, I feel like Kimberly Guilfoyle is just the perfect villain. It, you know, she is 
she's like a hot, mean lady who, you know, maybe you thought she was good back in the day. She was married to Gavin Newsom, whatever was happening there. And then she went to the dark side at some point. Not, I don't know if Gavin Newsom is like the, 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 right. the good side. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and I will never forget that speech that she gave at the 2020 convention when she's just in this empty ass room <laughs> and she ends the speech with the best is yet to come. And that's what they saw and said <laughs> 60, that's worth $60,000. You can just imagine there's like lightning bolts behind her and like, you know, just like cart, like Ursula waves rising up, but it's just like the quietest room you've ever seen. And, you know, I think that's the kind of energy that, um, you know, Kimberly Guilfoyle brings to the table and $60,000 for two and a half minutes speaking. I wish, I wish I could. I know. I feel like (laughs) a housewife could never. A housewife could never. Um, Honestly though, it's kind of like, there's like signs, you know, if you ever go to like uh, like a, a school in like the hood or something, there's like always a secretary that has a sign that it's like, like years of experience has made me like <laughs> what's taking me two minutes to do. I've learned for 10,000 hours or something like that. And it's just like, yes, two and a half minutes of speaking for $60,000 is not enough. Five years of dating Don Trump Jr. <laughs> Honestly, wrangling him. My favorite, he tweeted something that like, remember when he docks that guy, he docked some guy that was yeah, from the FBI right. yeah. or something. And she, they that. were on the view and she was like, I went to the bathroom for two minutes. <laughs> I left him alone with his phone for two minutes and I came back and he docked some guy in the FBI and like caused 50 crimes. So I'm like, <laughs> for that specifically, I'm like, yeah, maybe she does deserve $60,000. I guess. <laughs> I mean, because when I said this, it's like if, if she, obviously we know they didn't believe this stuff, but like if my partner's dad had run for president and I I genuinely believed that the election had been stolen from him. And my partner said, will you talk for two and a half minutes? I'd be like, sure, honey. I wouldn't ask for 60K. That's because you're not a businesswoman. Exactly. Well, obviously. I'm well, not, yeah, yeah, I mean, come on, Amanda. Not a business You want to stay in your apartment or you don't? Because <laughs> Kim ain't moving. You Kimberly Guilfoyle so would be keeping gone. the patio. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kim ain't leaving that do terrace. Do what she had to do. No. Um, <laughs> I know. My, my, my mic is going away for a week, and I was like, should I take some company to help us pay <laughs> two hundred dollars for a sell hug. some mess? Yeah, sell some mess. Um, hashtag sex work is real work. I mean, um, yeah, that's why I couldn't make any money. I'm not trained. <laughs> like, how much will you pay for the laziest blowjob you've ever had? In your life? <laughs> what about sixty thousand for two minutes? <laughs> I need twelve thousand dollars. I need twelve. Yeah, okay. Thirty seconds. I'll I'll give you a good deal. Um, (laughs) Millie will join me for an extra. Oh God, Um, for five hundred. Was just for five (laughs) hundred. Anyway, uh, anyway. Well, this the next. Yeah, should we talk about some other bitch that's gonna make a lot of money she doesn't deserve? Okay. (laughs) 
Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. Whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of the things I like to buy on Etsy have little dachshunds on them or are four dachshunds. Dottie's got a whole litany of new sweaters and harnesses and all kinds of fun stuff that we get lots of compliments on when we're out on walks. A gifting moment is always just around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Justice Amy Coney Barrett. She's already been paid nearly half a million dollars for her book deal. Ultimately, she's going to be paid $2 million, so I guess $425,000 is her advance. This it's it's annoying that it's her, but this isn't super unusual. Um, Gorsuch was paid about six hundred fifty k for his, which is just like really really funny that his is worth literally half as much. And like, how much? Why, what's so special about hers? Yeah, she actually, but doesn't she have you know? And I know a story. Well, no, I was gonna say I know that we don't want to tear down women on this podcast. Is but she allowed to write? That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Well, first of all, Clarence Thomas, where's your fucking investigation on this? Second of all, isn't she like the least qualified Supreme Court justice? Not ever, ever, but because there's some like many of them. Many of them didn't even have law degrees. Uh, (laughs) Right. I mean, to this day, like me, you, Dylan, we could all we could all be Supreme Court justices. Well, none of us are. Well, Dylan. Dylan's gay, but none of us are white men. So, no. It's only cool to not have a law, a law degree. But Dylan did do a Tony's update, so he might not make that confirmation here. No, no, no. I would, uh, no, I would not be. I would not be allowed. How many times this episode are we going to remind Dylan that he's gay? Maybe one more time. Uh, well, we did talk about housewives, yeah. and so we'll bring up one more topic. Oh, this is a pride app. I mean, pride I don't know what she's. Bridget wrote. A really funny um, script that she's going to film, just like imagining what what she's writing. Like, is she just trans- like transcribing the Bible in teeny tiny handwriting? Like, her origin story is that like an old lady died. And oh, it's you a got novel. To- no, no, no. We're just writing a parody of it. She's oh. just writing about her life. And oh god, I was I'm like, that's trying- interesting. <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine what 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 the origin story is for her. Like, an, a beloved old lady died, and then I got appointed to undo her life's work. Well, I don't know uh, how much time you spent listening to like um, really religious w- figures, women, whatever. But it's like they can talk. That, yeah, that's if there true. Is, if there is one thing, like uh, kind of like kooky lady who loves the Lord knows how to do, <laughs> it's just like sp- speak in speak extemporaneously <laughs> for long periods for both paragraphs. Can I be honest? I'd pay two million dollars to hear. <laughs> What her Haitian adopted kids have to say about living in that house, girl. I'll tell you that. And it'll probably cost $2 million to unlearn everything they learned in that house, too, in many, many therapy sessions. I feel like Amy's probably said something dark. Um, absolute dark, (laughs) light gray, all colors of the rainbow. This is the pride up of bitches. (laughs) Uh Exactly. Exactly. 
exactly. <laughs> this is what's crazy. Federal ethics rules, they limit justices to outside earned income of no more than 30K a year, but that just doesn't apply to books. There's all these weird ethics rules where it's like, you can, you can only make this much money except when it has to do with any other way that you could make money. Like in speaking fees specifically, they can only speak for, you know, 30, if they were to open an insurrection, they could only charge $30,000, but here she is getting 2 million. And I mean- that, you know, AOC made a point, which I think about all the time. I mean, money in politics is really like, it's really what's fucking up this yeah. country. And it's like, we should pay Congress people more, but they shouldn't be able to like get anything outside of their fucking jobs because it's going to be influencing them. And this, same with campaign funding, like campaigns should just be government funded. Exactly. And like same, everyone's on the same level playing field. And because if not, billionaires and millionaires are going to keep winning shit, you know, because they have just more money and people, they kind of depend on, and thank you, Facebook, depend on people to like just vote for whoever they see more. But in terms of uh, ACB, um, just like, you just think so of so dark. many other people dark. who have a $2 million story to tell that would be so much more interesting than like. Honestly, yeah. Again, her. Let's start with my baptism. Yeah, like, who who, do you, who would you pay two million dollars to get their whole story? To get their story. I don't know. Maybe like, I guess we already have Monica Lewinsky's. What about you, Dylan? I don't. I feel like I I love a celebrity memoir, but I feel like. The behind the scenes people, <laughs> like uh, somebody's assistant, like I think yeah. Anna Wintour's mm. assistant is like writing a like a memoir or something, you know, like those kind of things. I'm like, no, I don't want like, I don't want their version of it. Like you said, mm. like I want Amy Coney Barrett's kids or I want like, yeah. you know, so-and-so's assistant. I feel like that's where the real, um, that's the where real the real like, good like mommy dearest, yeah. like yeah. mommy dearest. Yeah. Yes. Um, I mean, if you if you happen onto two million dollars and you can offer it to one of her children, I'm sh- they might say yes. <laughs> I would fuck that. <laughs> but now we have to ask the question that this conversation has naturally demanded of us: Would you rather pay Amy Coney Barrett, assuming you had unlimited resources? Would you rather pay Amy Coney Barrett half a million dollars for a book advance, or pay Kimberly Guilfoyle sixty thousand dollars to be the opening act for an insurrection? Guilfoyle all the way. You're yeah, two and a half it, minutes. Two and a half minutes. This woman needs I, something. Get I'd a soundbite for the podcast. Mm-hmm. I'd give it to Kim. I mean, I think that insurrection was happening whether or not she was there to pump up the crowd for two minutes. So <laughs> yeah. at the end of the day, maybe no harm. <laughs> I know. How many insurrectionists were like, well, now that Kimberly Guilfoyle has got me riled up, I guess I'll head on down. <laughs> um, and also, like, you could kiki a little bit. Um you know, Amy's shit is going to be so dry and so dry. bad. It's like, what does she, you know, like, what does she have to say about the world that's interesting? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think maybe, maybe download it on Audible to like, to go to sleep or if you need a, a dystopian to fill the, the Handmaid's Tale size void. We all dread the what should we have for dinner question. I mean, I know I do. I love a home-cooked meal, but I don't always have the time, energy, or groceries to make it happen. Being able to feast on a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is what drew me to Home Chef over the other guys. Home Chef's meals are effortless, so I can spend less time trying to be Top Chef and more time watching it. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. 
Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you never have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and a of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homechef.com slash fever dream. That's homechef.com slash fever dream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. Homechef.com slash fever dream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S dot com. We actually have another author to discuss today who has forced himself into our consciousness, and that is James Patterson. I mean, he's already in our consciousness. If you've ever been a bookstore, an airport, or a Hudson News, you have seen many of this man's books and his name and his byline. So James Patterson, the author with an estimated net worth of $800 million, nearly a billion dollars, said that he and his contemporaries face a particular type of racism against white men. He said in an interview on the radio that specifically older white men are having a hard time now breaking into film, TV, and writing, saying it's even harder for older writers. You don't meet any 52-year-old white males. This is literally not true. Data shows that most authors who get marketing are white. The overwhelming number of people gatekeeping what books are published are white. The people making all of these decisions are white. James Patterson is white. He doesn't have a hard time getting his books published and is famously a white male. One thing helping him on top of his privilege is that he uses ghostwriters to pump out a lot of these books. <laughs> and part of his fame and fortune, which this just is also rich, owes to storytelling around a black protagonist who's one of his most compelling characters. Patterson also in this interview for A Little Cherry on Top denounced the decision his publisher made amid internal and external pressure to drop Woody Allen's memoir, which another publisher got picked up. So it will it will be in the world anyway. But I heard the memoir was bad anyway. Woody Allen's memoir? Yeah. yeah good writer, not good. <laughs> yeah, no, terrible. Memoirist. Um, for Would anybody- you rather read Woody Allen's memoir? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the review about Woody Allen's memoir Fewer was... crimes than Amy Coney Barrett's. Well, the Woody Allen memoir was just complaining about shit. It wasn't right, about filmmaking. Right. It, it, wasn't about, it wasn't about anything cool, like, whatever. But what I'm going to say is for Betch's follower, you know, not me, but for the Betch's follower who maybe doesn't know who James Patterson is, could you name two books that he wrote? <laughs> the titles? No, yeah. I could guess them, and I feel like I wouldn't be far off. It's not Da Vinci Code, right? No, but it's like that. <laughs> well, didn't he do the, um, what's his name, like, the John Krasinski show on 
Oh, Amazon. that's him. Jack, what was that called? Jack, called? Jack. Jack Reacher. Jack Ryan. Jack Ryan. <laughs> Jack Ryan. Maybe it is a lot of spy novels. Yeah, Escape, <laughs> The Crazy Horse, The Black Black Book. Oh no, Jack Ryan is Tom Clancy. I apologize to all the dads uh, listening oh to this. Oh my god, <laughs> guys. I can't believe we're proving this, this man's is, point that it's so hard for white <laughs> authors. So hard to tell them apart. It's so hard to tell them apart. Yeah. But also it's like he has, he has ghostwriters to write his books, which then get picked up to be movies or shows usually. But uh, Dylan, what was your first reaction? I saw you post about this when you saw this comment. Um, my, my first reaction was the, the TikTok sound. that's like, boo, tomato, tomato, yeah. like we're throwing tomatoes. Cause it's just like, shut Ugh. the fuck up. I mean, it's the kind of thing where I feel like every few weeks now we get an old white, rich and famous man giving like a similar version of events or, or, you know, like it'll be a spun a different way, but it's just like the fact that all of these guys still think that like, this is something that is worth saying, even if it's something yeah. that they feel deep down. It's like, just shut the fuck up and count your money. Like, I, um, a few weeks ago, uh, like Frank Langella was fired from a Netflix show because he wasn't like respecting what the intimacy coordinator had choreographed or whatever. And oh my God. he hard. wrote this like open letter about how it was like un American and he was being, you know, like persecuted. Wow. And it's like, it's not even like you got fired for some like mysterious accusation. It's like you literally weren't following directions. <laughs> like yeah. it's just the kind of thing where it's like, I don't know why these like old crusty rich men just like don't Can't realize that they should shut up. <laughs> well, they're usually the thing about it is like, they're usually doing this on a national platform. We hear about it every time. And it's also like, like you said, statistically, white men didn't lose power. They're still the majority. They're still like in charge of a lot of things. It's just like there are some people that don't look like them that have power. And also some people are interested in hearing from them. And there's conversation that doesn't include them or center them. And that is the the thing that they lost, you know? So they're lamenting. They can't say like, oh, it's not fair that we have to listen to women of color now or trans people or this mm -hmm. and that. They can't say that, right? But they're saying, things are so hard for a white man right now. And it's like, it's actually not like proven it's not. But it's also like, yeah, you can't get away with saying everything that you want anymore. Um, and it's not even that you can't have a lucrative career or you can't, but you're just not going to be welcome in all spaces anymore. And that is what they're lamenting. That's what they're frustrated with, you know? And it's the thing we keep talking about. It's like a common theme where it's like not accepting your consequences. You know, it's like you want to be, say whatever you want, be an asshole. But then when people react to you accordingly, oh, that's not fair. Shit has changed. Like it's un-American. And the intimacy coordinator stuff is so crazy because that is a job that they had to make in movies and television because it would be get very abusive very quickly for TV shows and movies with female actors, just actors in general, um, with sex scenes, you know? So they had to have somebody who's like choreographing things that everyone's okay with, making sure that people are covering appropriate areas and... Yeah, like, yeah, it's this crazy is, to to have that type of reaction and call it art American that like yeah, somebody trying to make sure your co-stars are comfortable with how you're like touching them or even like they even do it with like really intense, like emotional scenes. Yeah, of course, because these things can be triggering. 
Yeah. And it's, it's the kind of thing where like, I've listened to a lot of interviews and things, particularly with women in that industry who say that that's made such a big difference in allowing them to feel comfortable with kind of, you know, going to the place they need to go to in terms of the, the acting that they're not stressed about like, is this, you know, is this going to go a different way Mm -hmm. than the way I think it, you know, like it's, it's the kind of thing that for, for like an 80 year old guy to be like complaining about that. It's like, "Mm, I don't, don't love the vibe. Yeah. As like, like you just described, the way you just described it is really effective in explaining why those things like facilitate equality. Because mm-hmm. when you have those there, usually it's women that benefit from from the impact. But also like what 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 Patterson is responding to, like actually maybe what's happening is that the representation of these fields is actually becoming more proportional to the people that exist. But this will always feel like you're taking something from these people because they're used to things not being equal or proportional. So we're that's why we always see them have this reaction from you know in one in. A, a gentle representation, I guess it's James Patterson, but in the worst, it's great replacement theory and yeah. violence. And like the thing is, you know, they're responding to having to sense again, like this unapologetic existence that they don't have to censor whatever has been the norm for so long. And as more people start getting power or, you know, we have more equality and all these things have been making steps forward. These people are lamenting that. And, and, but that's just always been, you know, the reality of marginalized people in this country, you know, women have always, you know, censored kind of what they wore or thought or like walked out of a meeting because they got upset and cried, you know, Black people mm-hmm. in this country code switch. You know they can't speak in 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 the way that they speak with their family because that's seen as uneducated. You know people who speak different languages can't speak like that in a certain situations because it makes people uncomfortable. Like queer people can't you know c- kind of censor and wear yeah. whatever they want. You know or flamb- quote unquote flamboyant in certain spaces because that's seen as and like now as society has become more you know, democratized, equal, people can be themselves a little bit more. It's threatening these people because they can't just say, you know, whatever they want or be the center and be like, still be cool too. I think that's a big thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that what we're going to keep seeing is like these people, these men didn't think that this would happen in their lifetime. Yeah. They thought it would happen after they died or whatever. And they're kind of experiencing some of it now, but it's just like, if you go into your little corner, if you go to your your part of the internet or your part of your fan base, like you still have that there, but it's yeah. not going to be the cool center, edgy culture, right? Mm-hmm. Because and that's what they're yeah. upset about, and it's like no, no one cares what you think anymore. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sure we'll be back with another white man saying something completely unnecessary when given a microphone. Thank you so much, Dylan. Of course, you can listen to you mention it all three times a week. What days do you mention it all? Uh, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Thursdays. And uh, Pop Alarm, Mondays through Thursdays. Thank you so much, Dylan. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Always. I'll be demanding you back until the end of Democracy. I'm Amanda (laughs) Sherman. I'm Millie Tamaras. And this is the Betches Sub Podcast. Bye. The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to suppod at Betches.com. 
Betches.